This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Well, howdy, Jeremy. Hey, Chris Wilterdink. You, our fearless youth pastor to the world, to be completely honest, you're a little jet lagged today because you have been engaged in your global duties to the church. This is very true. Uh, I am happy to be with you on Monday, November 6th. I am fairly <laughs> certain that is what the day is today. But yeah, I um, am just returning from some travels with a, a teammate of mine who uh, helps to coordinate and resource ministries with um, Asian and Pacific Islander folks. And he was able to partner with some people to lead a discipleship training in Vietnam of all places. And so, uh, I'm just returning from there. So if, if I kind of have this narcoleptic moment where my eyes glaze over and I'm non-responsive, just, you know, yell at me or something because it's just because I'm <laughs> jet lagged so incredibly much. Yeah. So that's what I want to talk to you about. Um, I would like to hear, um, so I think one of the things that's really helpful, like what I have taken teenagers to different parts of the world on different kinds of trips, right? And regardless of what you think about any of the, the actual kinds of service work that happens in those trips, um, one of the things that's really helpful is <clears throat> becoming like a global Christian, like really understanding that God is at work in different places and seeing a different culture um, connect with God that is very different than your own, right? And this idea that that the movement of God transcends our cultural boundaries, our ethnic boundaries, our national boundaries, can be very transformative for people and incredibly helpful and partnering. It doesn't mean you have to get on a plane and go. There's lots of ways that you partner. You can partner with ministries all around the world. And it, but before you can do that, you really have to even know what's happening. And so I wanted to just quiz you as the person who actually like you in some ways, you and your, your cohorts, your compadres at, Discipleship ministries are the connective tissue between youth ministries all over the world. And as part of the United Methodist Church, it's really cool to be able to be connected to those things. So I would love to hear some about what's happening um, in different parts of the world, uh, both just to hear it, to receive the report, but also to think, okay, if I'm Googling this, like maybe I could, as a youth pastor, partner with them. Tell my kids about them. Maybe we could uh, Zoom with somebody at some point or, you know, find out what needs they might have at a, for a, a specific thing. And maybe we could meet some of those needs, Wh whatever it is, all of those different ways that we engage with each other. So <clears throat> you said you just got back from Vietnam. Why don't we start there Okay, in, in, in Asia, right? And What's going on there? Because Vietnam's not somewhere that is normally thought of as like a a really bustling United Methodist center, right? 
Uh, well, sure. And, and for a lot of religions, really not right. That, um, right. in the 1970s, there was the, um, communist Re revolution and, um, a pretty significant, um, conflict and war, uh, between America and people in Vietnam. Right. Um, right. Uh, part of what I find really valuable in these kind of connectional uh, activities and, and being around the world are um, being able to appreciate multiple perspectives. So something as simple as if you're from the U.S., you would call that conflict from the 1970s, the Vietnam War. Um, if you're in Vietnam, you call it the American War. Right. Uh, and I went right. to the War Memorial Museum and it's all written from the perspective of um the uh, side of the the fighters that started in North Vietnam there, as opposed to an American yeah. perspective on it, right? So uh, it's this a very similar thing for church. It's interesting when um, uh, if we are able to kind of talk about some of the missionaries and and those programs that are available from the United Methodist Church. Um, a lot of that really is uh, helping people be able to connect to a story that is larger than the story of their own country or their country of origin. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in Vietnam, uh, and actually uh, along that whole peninsula of um, Cambodia and Laos and Thailand, um, is considered a missionary area for the United Methodist Church. So there are some small um, congregations. Most of them are led by a pastor who is bivocational. Um, some of the pastors uh, have had, you know, sort of graduate level schooling that like you would think about for people that are serving in pastoral roles in the United States. Um, but some of them are being led by um, people who just have had some sort of localized training or have worked right. with missionaries that have been assigned through global ministries um, in order to kind of, um, you know, grow and get a bit of a theological grounding. Most of the churches are house churches. So we're talking you know, hosted out of the same house that the pastor lives in. Um, and the pastor really is doing it bivocationally. There's something else that the the pastor is doing in order to make a living um, while still feeling this call to be able to uh, grow a congregation and, and create a church. It's really a very, very interesting uh, dynamic that's there. So um, I was there to help with a training that was organized through um, the General Board on Global Ministries, uh, sometimes shortened to Global Ministries. They've got two missionaries serving there, uh, and they worked with our team to set up this uh, discipleship training. Um, the, from what I understand, the pastors, there are able to get together maybe once a year, maybe twice a year. Um, and that seemed pretty consistent. Um, there's not like an official super duper official structure like you would have in the United States where we've got this really hierarchical thing, right. With local church district, annual conference jurisdictions, right. those kinds of things. Really, the areas are so much more broad, um, and the challenges are very, are very different because, again, the churches are so small, um, and the pastors are really looking for resources and connections to be able to support the ministry and the needs that they see in their communities. So, as, as an example, I, I was only in one small part um, of Vietnam for this last trip. It was in Ho Chi Minh City, and across that city, which is now about 10 million people, there are something like six to maybe eight United Methodist house churches that total maybe a yeah. hundred people. Right. Um, right. So it reminds me of the origin of the Methodist story really where yeah, yeah. small groups that are very, very faithful looking for ways to make social difference. Um, the uh, kind of busiest part of Asia in terms of the United Methodist Church would be in the Philippines, okay? Um, the, the Philippines has a significant amount of United Methodists that are present, an incredible sort of leadership and development pipeline that they've got. Um, 
in the Philippines, um, the, the language that we use would be a central conference right now. So there is the mm-hmm. Philippines Central Conference. And within that central conference, the Philippines actually has three Episcopal areas. So they've got three different bishops. Um, and those bishops serve a total of 24 annual conferences. Um, so right. very, very well developed, a mixture of house churches as well as um, sort of churches like you would think about in the traditional American sense where they've got a standalone building and, um, you know, perhaps some daycares or those kinds of things. Um, they've got some really, really awesome stuff for young people. They've got, um, a, a youth leadership program and, uh, really kind of a, a setup where you can be elected to serve as the president of United Methodist Youth in the Philippines um, yeah. and create some incredible events and connectional pieces that that really run um, as smoothly as almost anything else I've ever seen. Yeah. So tell me, tell me, give us an, a story or two about what youth ministry is like in those places. Like what, what have you seen? What, what, what do you hear? Is it, is it the same thing? Does everybody get up front and play an icebreaker and then talk about the Bible? <laughs> like what's, what's the unique thing? What's, what's something that interesting oh, is happening? In- sure. Uh, well, let me, let me couch it in this first, right? That the idea of what a youth is, um, yeah. changes depending where in the world you are. Right. <laughs> um, I think we see that a little bit culturally in the United States, but internationally, I mean, um, if you're a youth, maybe you're a youth until you're married, or maybe you're a youth until you're right. 30, right? Yeah. Um, the the other part of it is that in a lot of parts of the world, before I give a couple of specific examples, um, nearly all ministry is youth ministry because the world is so young. Um, yeah. And, and I mean that for a couple of like couple of different ways. In the part of the world that we're talking about right now, um, there's a significant population boom among young people, right? Um, That the average age in many countries in Southeast Asia is under 40. Um, Actually, the average age of the U.S. itself, right, is um, somewhere between 40 and 45. Um, So even though we tend to think of the United Methodist Church as being a little bit older in the U.S., because it is in some ways, it's not necessarily reflective of the overall um, demographics of the country. So there are countries where the average age, right, is 30 or is 25. And so a lot of the ministries will um, be targeted towards young people because that's the majority of the population that's there, right? Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, that's the, the average age of the Philippines is 25. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing, right? And you can imagine some of the social needs or the social stresses that that puts on a country or that puts on a community, right? Because um, you need people who have some experience and can offer some guidance um, and can also kind of navigate a culture that's being driven by 25-year-olds or by 30-year-olds, which is really different than the situation that we would find ourselves here in the States most often. Yeah. So uh, all that said, uh, if I'm staying in the Philippines... um, this has actually been something that's been exported as well, something called the Christmas Institute. Um, and Very cool. What is it, that? It's super neat. So the week in between um, Christmas and New Year's uh, okay. really is almost set aside for this week-long sort of connectional and experiential camp called the Christmas Institute. Um, and it's a combination of deeper dives, into Christian history and the theological story and a bit of the identity for um, who United Methodists are as a part of that story. Mm -hmm. 
uh, as well as building yeah. relationships and connections between young people themselves. So yeah. Christmas Institute, if you were to look it up, you'd be able to find a ton of information about the ones that happen in the Philippines. Also, if there's Filipino congregations here in the U.S., they have taken that mm-hmm. same model and same name, and you can find Christmas Institutes all across the U.S. as well. That's really cool. Now, I, I you said something about um, uh, that, that whole peninsula with Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia and Cambodia and Thailand. Uh, and I know that in different places in there, um, there, there is real religious persecution for Christians. Um, and I'm curious, well, what does youth ministry look like in that context? But also, how does somebody, you know, if somebody really feels like a, a call, a passion to partner with people that are in that kind of a, a culture, right? Cultural dynamic. How do you even find out about that? Like, where do you go to find out like who those people are and like send them an email and say, I'm praying for you or whatever it is? Oh, sure. Sure. Well, um, there are some structures that are out there, right? Um, If you're in the United Methodist Church, being able to connect with global ministries um, is really a big deal. Um, They've got um, a tremendous amount of connections because they really oversee... um, missionary ministries for the United Methodist Church. So they can help you identify, you know, folks that are serving in a missionary capacity in any location that doesn't, you know, already have this um, overly developed um, and official United Methodist standing or anything, right? Right. Um, And and, and, that website is umcmission.org. That's the like general global... Uh, Global Ministries website, which I've used multiple times to like find the random person to call or email who can get me the other random person that I'm really looking for. Yep, that's right. And and they, um, I mean, they've got a directory that would help you find um, different missionaries. There's different kind of classes of missionaries out there as well. There's global missionaries. There's racial ethnic plan missionaries that serve um, in a whole bunch of different contexts. There's also one for young people themselves called Global Mission Fellows, which is a two-year program that a young person, if they're feeling called to put themselves in another culture or look for almost like a gap year kind of a thing to do, uh, Global Mission Fellows is an opportunity that's out there for them as well. Yeah, it's Um, an incredible program. But tell me more about these places where, uh, you know, Christianity is not just sort of by default accepted as a as an okay thing. Yeah, um, and, and that really is in a lot of different places, right? Um, yeah, not, right. Not just Southeast Asia, but there are parts of the world where um, perhaps the the state religion is the only official religion, right? Uh, or right. or if it's an atheistic country, um, the the party, right, is the religion for lack of a better way to say it right 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 um and so it's very very interesting in in some of these countries uh there's often a a hesitation and a resistance to outside influence um that -hmm. really is culturally very large but is also magnified in the religious kind of spheres right so um people do have to kind of walk um a delicate line of wanting to be able to be present to be able to do some social good and to be able to be faithful to their call um, all while not being so obvious and over the top, right? Yeah. Um, that you would get too much attention from the local government um, or right. get your organizations shut down, get yourself um, 
you know, put into prison because that does still happen, uh, or perhaps even deported. Um, you know, that there were some of these folks yeah. that, that we connected with uh, in the training that had had experiences very similar to that, right? They've got this calling to lead a pastoral ministry, and that calling has led them um, to some very difficult conversations and um, in some cases, confrontations with uh, yeah. law enforcement or local governments. So what is, how do you do youth ministry in that setting? I, I think it really boils down to being as practical as humanly possible, right? Yeah. Um, I, I do think that there's a couple of core tenets of ministry that you and I often come back to. Um, it's a lot about relationship and mm-hmm. it's a lot about being able to find needs that are out there and figure out how your community, no matter how small or large, can help to meet some of those needs, right? So yeah. an example from within Ho Chi Minh City itself might be that, um, you know, one of these very small house churches um, <clears throat> noticed that they're like during the school day, were a lot of kids running around their neighborhood, right? A lot of kids running yeah. around their part of the city. And, um, you know, they, they stopped and asked one of the kids, you know, what that was about. And he said, well, I can't go to school. And they said, well, why can't you go to school? And he said, well, I, you know, I was born in this part of the country where um, I didn't get my birth certificate when I was born. Yeah. And just born at home. Yeah. Just born at home. Right. Uh, And I can't go to school without my birth certificate. So, you know, I just, you know, run around. I, um, you know, beg. I sometimes get into trouble that I shouldn't do. Right. Um, And these, you know, church members look, you know, kind of had that story and started to talk to him and said, Okay, so maybe God is calling us to start a school or try to figure out some kind of on-ramp here for education, right? Um, and again, for like the Methodist history part of it, that's so similar to yeah. where Methodism developed in England, right? Because yep. it was at this time in England's history where there were some real haves and have-nots, and Methodists were some of the ones that were shining a light on social needs and getting outside of a church building in order to be able to serve the community. Right. Um, in in a year and a half, this group in, in Ho Chi Minh city has gone from that one student who was kind of interested in, you know, doing something about school to now having over 35 students, um, that are all at the age of 14 and they are working towards getting a high school level education as well as, um, training in English, because in, in Vietnam itself, um, one of the pieces I learned is that if you are able to speak English because of the nature of capitalism and being able to connect yeah. to the broader world, if you can speak English, often the jobs that you can get pay four to five times as much as not yeah. being able to speak English itself. So um, there's right. a real economic empowerment and a real um, you know, building of community that can happen through education. Um, and yeah. and it, that, that's a huge value, I think, across the Methodist connection is education and oh, yeah. to learn. For sure. So let's go to let's go to Europe, right? Uh, let's go to Europe. Yes. Again. Yes. No, let's go to Europe, but not not on a tour. <laughs> let's let's talk about youth ministry. What is so Europe is interesting because um, it's very much post-Christian, post-Christendom right um in in many places in europe um and yet like when you trace beginnings of uh christianity as a institution and as a sort of global movement 
you, you always end up in places in Europe, especially for the United Methodists, you know, in England. So what does, what does youth ministry look like? And again, we're, this is a continent, right? So Europe is different. For, England is different from Romania, which is different from, uh, you know, Latvia, but, uh, but tell us a little bit about some places that you've seen work happening there and, and what that's like. Yeah, for sure. So, in general, yes, right? Like there is kind of this post-Christian idea about Europe. Um, they're still surrounded by all of the architecture for when church was the central thing. Right. Um, and so it's fascinating to, you know, be able to learn some of the stories about how those buildings can become more than a museum, right? That that it's yeah. part of the fabric and part of the story, but uh, you know, like we know the the building is not what the church is, right? The church is what the people are doing. It's the movement of the people. Um, so there is a group uh, called the Methodist Youth and Children's Council, uh, uh, European Methodist Youth and Children's Council, EMYC. Um, and they um, are a collection of people of different Methodist expressions as well, right? So and these folks- Well, oh, I just sorry, need to know, do people call it EMYC? Or do they just say EMYC? Because EMYC sounds a lot more fun. <laughs> they have chosen the unfun version. Yeah, it is the EMYC so far. Okay, um, the EMYC, got it. But I'll, I'll I'll say Jeremy makes this suggestion the next time that I'm talking to anybody. Please. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but but that group, in case anybody's not familiar, right, um, that there is the United Methodist Church, but the United Methodist Church is not the only Methodist Church, right? Um, in many countries, right, which is the same way in lots of places in the world, right? Oh yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So, um, you know, in, in many parts of the world, there is the Methodist church of name the country, right? So the Methodist church of right. Ireland, the Methodist church of, um, Latvia, the Methodist church, it, it goes on and on and on that way. Right. Um, so this EMYC is a collection of young people from different expressions of the Methodist church that will get together annually um, and try to support each other in ministry and build relationships kind of a, across different cultures. Um, in Europe, particularly, I know we named several countries already, um, but there are language and, and cultural differences country yeah, to country, huge. country, right? You can't drive for four hours and be in the same place where you're going to be speaking the same language as if you were in the right. United States, right? Yeah. Um, you might've passed through three different countries at, by that point by driving for four hours. Right. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, there are uh, a variety of churches across uh, most of Europe. There, um, some of the most developed ones in terms of the United Methodist Church are actually uh, in Germany. Um, uh, Germany itself, I think, has two annual conferences, and they've got a pretty well-developed youth department. Um, and they've got a, a, a retreat that happens uh, every year. It's a conference-wide retreat, and it's called Buyu. Um, boo you, yeah, B U J U, man, and boo you. Do other Imyak <laughs> people come to boo you? Um, they should if they don't, because it's pretty incredible. Man. Um, it's, well, what is boo you? It's sort of like a Woodstock, to be honest with you. Oh, so this is getting better and better. They're out in a field, um, in kind of rural Germany, they set up several states, okay. preachers, bands. Um, what? Yeah, different kind of opportunities that are out there. Um, if you do go to Buyu, what I, time of the year is Buyu? Uh, Buyu is in the summertime usually. Okay. Um, and 
if you do go to Buyu, I'm sure I can find the link to be able to pull it up. Um, you would enjoy songs. You would enjoy a lot of fellowship. Um, all in German, of course. All in German. Um, and you would need to bring your own utensils. So they cook and create all of the meals because they're out in a field. What? Right? They these big so they're like for real out in a field. They're not like. No, 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 no. Yeah, in a hotel yeah. and then driving to a field. Mm-mm. No, like you're tent camping and uh, it just what? is a bunch of fellowship time. But they set up these big tents where there's like, you know, the grill stations and cook stations and that kind of stuff. But as a conference, they've got a commitment to be as earth friendly as possible. And one of the ways that they accomplish that at their youth gatherings is they don't use any single use plastics, any single use. Anything. Oh man, that is so awesome. You have to show up with your own little mess kit, right? Like you have to bring your yeah. own plate and bowl and fork and spoon. Uh, and then they've got these big like trough areas where after you meet and eat, then you sit and you all wash your stuff together. Um, it's really, really kind of a cool. How cool. Yeah, man. All right, America, you need to figure out how to do some boo-you up in here. <laughs> that one's a pretty fun one. Um, there are also, uh, well, this one is not specifically Methodist, but there are youth weeks at um, Taizé in France. So oh, right. uh, if anybody's familiar with um, sort of the um, chants that come out of the tradition from Taizé, um, or this really kind of reflective spirituality, there are specific youth weeks that are there. And several years ago, the Methodist Church of Ireland in Britain were working together to try to create a Wesley week at Taizé. Uh, unfortunately, it kind of got derailed by COVID stuff. And so all of a sudden people could not travel. But uh, Taizé makes it very, very easy for youth or for young people to be able to attend and participate. Yeah. So and and what does that look like? What is that experience? Uh, so Taizé itself um, is a, a fairly ancient monastery. Uh, mm-hmm. And... Uh, in Taizé, um, when you register for a week there, you do get a room. It, it, it's almost as if you would be staying um, in the monastery itself where you've got this really simple room. You've got really simple board. Um, there are opportunities for uh, prayer basically 20 to 24 hours of the day. Um, uh-huh. You can sign up for something called the Night Watch which um, mm-hmm. back when Game of Thrones was on TV, got super duper popular. Um, <laughs> it's not as exciting as anything on Game of Thrones, but um, <laughs> Night Watch is you sign up for a night shift where you're praying throughout the night and keeping watch over this monastery to be able to keep it safe and and secure as well. Um, so very, very interesting um, opportunity that's there. And again, a very multicultural one because you've got people that will come from all over the world to experience something at say. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that seems dramatically different from Taze, Taze to, um, to Buyu in Germany. So Chris, if you're looking to, if you're saying to yourself, you know, it just so happens that all the teenagers in my youth group speak German and I think we might want to go to Buyu or find out about stuff like that in um uh in germany since you said they have like a, a really great um a really great youth sort of well-developed youth ministry program what, what what do you where do you go what do you look for in that who's the who's the person you email i mean obviously we will all immediately email you first and then after you um 
what where do, where do you go is there a is there a website especially for people like me who don't speak german that you could go sort of visit that that's written in in other languages uh yeah for sure so um every annual conference uh in a part of the world that is um you know, kind of developed as part of the United Methodist Church. They do have like an office of connectional ministries and communicators as well. Um, so the website for the church in Germany would be unitedmethodist.de, um, Deutsch, right? D-E. Uh, uh-huh. So that would be one of the places that you could get started. Um, I, I would recommend going to umcyoungpeople.org, um, you know, poking around for a few stories that we might have. Um, and I would be able to help kind of directly email the folks that would be in charge of different youth departments or would be the presidents of different youth organizations or those kinds of things. Great. Great. Well, we actually happen to have Cesar here on the call with us today. Cesar, we're going around the world talking about youth ministry and what it looks like in all different places. Um, and I would love to hear, I know that you are from West Africa, even though right now you are in the DC area. Um, can you tell us, you know, you know, both of these cultures now, right? The sort of uh, American culture and your, your culture from West Africa. What's different? Like, tell us about what, what does youth ministry look like in West Africa? Yeah. Thanks for the question. I'm from, the Democratic Republic of Congo in Kinshasa. Uh, huh. And uh, I would like to take the opportunity to thank Chris for extending the invitation that I attended uh, U 2023 in Florida. That was amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, the way I saw it, I, I think from the American perspective, um, uh, based on the experience here in DC, we have been in several uh, local churches. I didn't see many uh, youth being involved in the church activities. But I was surprised in Florida seeing <laughs> a good number of youth, you know, being involved yeah. in the activities. So I think uh, from the Democratic Republic of Congo, where we have got uh, many young people who are attending uh, like Sunday service, uh, sun, Sunday service each Sunday, yeah. there are many. And uh, also, you know, there are certain things that I'm still learning from the American perspective. Truly speaking, mm-hmm. I'm the way you guys are doing things here. And uh, I was kind of saying, these are great things we can we can also bring it back in our country so that we can implement with uh, young people. But the only thing that yeah. I've noticed within the local churches is that uh, many young people are not coming to church. Yeah. But they are ready. Right. Uh, to attend some of the activities as conferences and uh, also, you know, youth, they enjoy where there is energy. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really fair to say, Cesar. And um, were you able to ever attend the event called CELO? No. No. Okay. So um, it, it's not in Congo itself, but uh, there is an event called CELO, which is almost like a World Catholic Youth Day, where mm-hmm. there's eight to ten thousand young people that will show up for right. a lot of worship and and put a lot of energy that's there. Um, Cesar, one of the other you know interesting pieces that Jeremy and I have been talking about is, uh, in some ways, the relationship between youth ministry and mission. Um, and in the Congo, 
it's very unique because Kinshasa itself is this enormous city. It, it, it's huge. It's very developed. A lot of people, a lot of traffic. And then uh, in Congo or in the Democratic Republic of Congo, when you get outside of Kinshasa, travel becomes very difficult. Um, it goes mm-hmm. from city to rural very quickly. And the way that youth ministry needs to look changes so much based on the context, right? Um, and th- there's a part of the Democratic Republic of Congo called Fizi. And Cesar, you can correct me if I'm saying that in, you know, uh, not correctly or not pronouncing it well. It's correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but Fizi is an area of uh, uh, the Congo where there is a significant amount of armed conflict uh, between tribal groups um, and um, almost like military warlords and, and the country itself. And so there is this um, there is this displaced persons camp um, that is in Fizi um, because of the war that's there. And uh, one of the grants that actually came out of Young People's Ministries um, this last grant cycle and will get started to be funded in um, January through a young man named Jean-Claude Gabanganya um, is that he's looking at the refugee camp that's there and trying to offer economic training and support for people with physical disabilities who have been injured in that conflict. Um, and so again, when when we think about mission, Jeremy, you and I, right, like in the United States, often it's like, where are we going to go paint something or we're going to go help, you know, keep this building up. And there are those opportunities internationally as well. Um, but there's there's opportunities to dive so much deeper. Um, yeah, right. And, and one of the gifts of young people, I think, is is they can clearly see where there is a need for justice and where there is a need for help. Um, the Fizi area in Congo would be one of those places where um, building up a relationship and figuring out what support could be offered from a distance. Um, it, it's one mm-hmm. of those critical places in our United Methodist Church right now. So anyway, Jeremy, that that might be a bit of Congo. Um, yeah, right. That's helpful. Huge, yeah, connectional opportunities that are there. One of the other pieces for you know folks, depending where they are in the world, they may not realize how large the African continent is, um, right? Yeah, and and how many different <laughs> language groups are a part of that, right? So um, well, if even in in each country, I have a, I had a friend that was telling you know he. He lives in Nigeria, but he was telling me all kinds of different sort of regional language, local language, and, you know, all over the place. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so in, in the southern part of Africa, um, there's a pretty significant United Methodist Church presence in Angola, uh, mm-hmm. as well as in Mozambique. And those are two Portuguese-speaking countries. Uh, and often they will get together um, to do trainings or to do youth events together um, so that just like Cesar mentioned that, you know, young people go where the energy is or they go where the social is, Um, you know, they will put energy into getting enough young people together in the same place uh, between Angola and Mozambique to create some of that energy um, and help connect them to meaningful ways of worship as well. So very, very interesting stories uh, across the board. Um, In in the African continent, there's also uh, the Methodist Church of South Africa, um, right. which if we were going to do a little bit of a history lesson, really w- had a pretty significant role in terms of um, helping the fall of apartheid. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and used to try to work for reconciliation in that country as well. So, yeah, uh, we have that- some really important 
Methodist uh, people who are connected into all of that part of of the history of South Africa. I, I've got several friends who live there and um, and have told me all kinds of amazing stories about the way United Methodist or not United Methodist Methodists um, were played a huge part in the fall of apartheid. So, yeah, I you know, and Chris, we can go on and on, right? I I. I, I'm curious now. Okay, so um, if we are going to now as a as a youth ministry that is not in one of those parts of the world, right, but wants to partner, um, at the very least, right, there's really great things that need funding, need support. Um, where can you go, like on the internet? to find out about all the different kinds of projects there are that United Methodists are doing all over the world. And obviously you can contribute to them, but financially, but, you know, finding out about what's happening uh, in that way. Uh, I might lift up a really specific example through something called the advance. Um, Great. Advance is offered through United Methodist uh, Global Ministries. And these are projects that are taking place all over the world that if if you were looking to learn about and financially be able to support uh, projects going on in different parts of the world, these are uh, projects that have been vetted by United Methodist Global Ministries, are plugged in to find support um, so that they can really meet the goals that they've set out for themselves. Uh, and also, one of the things that Global Ministries does through the advance is they help to navigate how easy it is to give. Uh, because as mm, you can yeah. imagine, internationally, helping banks talk to each other can be a real chore. Um, so the yes. advance helps um, any funds that a youth group might raise or that a church might raise actually get to the project and the leadership uh, where it is going to do the most good uh, without losing mm-hmm. a bunch to fees or a bunch to the banks or anything like that. Uh, so if you were to go to the advance, um, I, I believe that the website address is umcmission.org slash right all dash advanced dash projects, uh, you would see this list of, uh, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of amazing projects going on throughout the world. Um, So I would recommend checking those out. Uh, I would also recommend, uh, you know, getting into conversation with your conference leadership uh, because one, one of the beautiful things and sometimes frustrating things about the United Methodist Church is we're, we're so passionate about doing good and we're so good at making connections um, that there's a lot of things happening. And sometimes we forget to tell each other about it, right? Um, so sometimes there are local churches who have significant relationships with an, another local church or a ministry in uh, Tanzania or uh, with Africa University, right? Um, there sometimes are districts or annual conferences who, because of relationships, have an ongoing sort of exchange program or ministries that might be happening at the conference level. Um, So I wish that there was like one place I could point people to go to, but there's not, there's like a million of them. Um, So I do think the places to start are with the advance with global ministries, with your annual conference leadership to see if there are relationships established at the conference level. Uh, And then of course you can look at umcyoungpeople.org um, for kind of the the network of places and ministries that we have listed as well through our mission organizations. That's great. So I think that's it. I think that's one of our longest podcasts ever, but a really <laughs> good one. 
It might have been, and it probably could have gone even longer just because there <laughs> there really are Methodists all over the place. I, I guess maybe my yeah. closing thought, right, is sometimes young people can feel alone in their faith, right? If, if they are the only youth that happens to be going to worship or they are the only youth uh, mm. in their home church or in their the, the church that they're a part of, um, there's others like you that are out there that are yeah. feeling God's calling in their life. And it's so important to be able to explore that. Um, and, and folks in your church want to help you explore that call. They want to help you be connected with other young people. And if you're looking around the world and you see something that that isn't just or isn't the way that it should be, um, they want to give you the opportunities to be able to meet those needs as well. Mm -hmm. um, Methodism yeah. is, is a movement that was you know, inspired by young people. John Wesley and the Holy Club were young adults, right? They were college students as they were getting all this stuff figured out. Um, and the energy that goes along with that youth and young adult spirit is huge to be able to carry with you wherever you go in the world. So know that you're not alone. Know that you're part of a church that wants to connect you and support you. Um, and Jeremy, I'm grateful for the chance that we had to have this kind of longer conversation, especially when I'm uh, having a little bit of jet lag. So Thanks for the topic today. That was a fun one. Yeah. And uh, we, for those of you who watch live, we do these on Mondays and you can catch it on Facebook. Otherwise, you can find the Youth Worker Collective podcast version wherever you get podcasts. We're in all the places. You bet. Jeremy, thank you. Cesar, thank you for joining us again today. Prayers all continues to be well with you. Um, I look forward to seeing everybody next week. See ya. Thank you.